You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> wow. All right. Thank you. Pat Murphy and Carol M. Schwiller um, for a very great literary evening. So let's have a, a panel discussion. <laughs> Cliff. Are there mountains in the future? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, let me ask a question. Now, both of those stories are written in the present tense. Um, why let me ask Pat first. Why did you write your story in the present tense? Uh, well, that's actually, um, this is a story that, that I kept, I, I, I did mess around with tense a little bit on it. I think there may have been a few places when I was reading it where I caught myself having slipped and, and left something in the past tense. But I think I, I was, uh, may, I, I, I really don't know, I don't know why I made the choice. It felt like the right choice. It felt like it gave the story, present tense for me feels like it gives the story more immediacy. And because I was writing it, um, I think because I was writing it with such a deadline, I had a very strong sense of immediacy in this story. Um, but I, you know, I don't have, why do you write in the present tense, Carol? She said well, swiftly. I almost always do. I, I, do, I very rarely don't write in the present tense. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Oh. Every, just about everything I do is in the present tense, and I'm not sure I know why. Yeah, I oh. find myself, what I, what I end up doing is I try it in different, I try it in past tense, I try it in present tense, and something feels right. But there isn't, uh, you know, a lot of rational thought that goes into well, it. Well, it seemed to me like yours, it was a question of, tone and it was sort of you, there was a choice to be made mm -hmm. it seems in carols it was structural um the, don't you think in that one there's no way you could write that one in the past tense because oh, it yeah probably. structurally yeah was, except that i'm yeah. so used to doing it in the present tense i uh -huh. do almost everything in the present tense yeah interesting well they're two two uh very different stories but uh, both very funny stories and they both had mirrors in them <laughs> but, but they did. Wow. Right. Oh, right. Well, every story should have that. Uh, <laughs> well, let me ask you another question. Since, uh, um, what do you think, I in terms of uh, I in terms of writing and gender? It seems to me like, uh, in in both your cases, I think there's a there's sort of an assumption that's not. I think it's it's a false one, but there's sort of an assumption that if a if a woman's right if a woman who sort of has a uh, feminist politics is writing that the story somehow the subtext is about gender even when it's not it, it's like it seems that, that it gets laid on it. Do you feel like that that's happens to your work? I mean, some of it clearly is. Carmen Dog was a specifically oh, yeah, well, about was, gender. Yeah, that was about that. Right. Yeah. But do you think that's, that's somehow laid on your stories whether it's there or not? Or hmm. I suppose it is. I don't know. I, I never felt that I was, people always call me a feminist, but I never felt I was one. 
uh, for some reason or other. I never felt that I cared about, well, I mean, I cared that, <laughs> I do care, but I, I never felt that, that I wanted to write about the battle for women. Right. Uh, yeah. And what about, what do you think, Pat? I don't, you know, it's funny. If people do lay, there are, there are stories that I've written that do have an overt uh, feminist uh, agenda, agenda or, yeah. or uh, leanings or story to them. And if people put that on my other work, I don't care. They, I don't, they don't talk to me about it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, was just, I was just curious. I was thinking, um, you know, just, it was just kind of a question I, uh, because, you know, some of the work is that way. I don't know. I was thinking about, um, oh, you know what it was? I've been reading uh, Adrian Rich, the poet lately, and, and she was clearly a, a feminist, lesbian poet. And yet, I, uh, somehow I feel like, I was thinking about her and James Baldwin at the same time. It's like, uh, it seemed to me like Baldwin, a lot of times people assumed that there was a racial agenda when he actually had another uh, sort of a high modernist agenda that sort of was not really about that. But, and, and sometimes I think it, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of, I don't have a clear it's kind of unclear. I'm not trying to be confusing. It just, it just seems to me oh, really? sometimes it can be sometimes it can be reductive. It's it's like if you're you know if you're writing as a woman or you're writing as a black man or if you're that somehow uh, you're uh, there's a uh, there's a pull on the part of readers or critics to sort of reduce your agenda yeah, yeah. more than it should yeah. be. Yeah, that's right. That's, yeah, that's what. That's I'm what saying. Yeah, I think that is true. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I, I uh, uh, used to tend to do a lot is when people would say, are you a feminist? It's, well, okay, what do you mean by that? Because the, one of the issues that comes up is um, what people see as a certain agenda, they're seeing it through their filters of how they define that term, and that can distort what they're seeing. So in order to understand... Um, what they're trying to put on your work, you have to get them to define their terms because it's, it's an it's a often ill-defined term. Um, yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask another question. What, uh, you've been writing, um, you, you're both sort of in the field of science fiction, I think, uh, but you've both been sort of branching out and I know uh, how does the you've been writing westerns how does that work uh, do you see them as um, I remember we was, uh, talking to Cecilia Holland and she was talking about historical novels and how they're sort of like science fiction in that you have to build the world you can't you know mm -hmm. and uh, do you feel like that there's uh, westerns are also a genre fiction in a way so do you feel like your, do you feel like these genres cross over in a way, or, or, or do you s regard it as something very different from writing? It felt very um, different to me, uh, when it, and even the style. It changed my science fictional style to write those westerns. How's um, that? Well, I think, I think I never was so much into characterization as I was with the westerns. And then when I went back to science fiction, I think my characters were 
more developed than they were before that. Because the Western well, demanded it more? Or? Well, you know why I wrote the Westerns? <laughs> I should no. say. Well, my husband died. And for one year, I didn't write anything. And then I was lying back most of that year watching old Western movies and uh, sort of comatose. Thank goodness I had to teach, so I had to get out and do something. But I was watching these, these um, cowboy movies, and I thought, wait a minute. This isn't right at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought of things like uh, this. Um, oh, they would have most. A lot of those westerns took place when my grandma was would would have been alive. And my grandma, I don't think she was ever naked in her life. And she <laughs> she undressed uh, in, under her nightgown or dressed in her, under her nightgown, whatever it was. And she was never naked. And so I thought. I'm going to write a, I want to write a Western that's anti all those Western movies that I saw. And, and I, I wanted to begin with the wedding, which I didn't quite do. I wanted to have the hero beat up right away. And, and, and everything I, I took um, the opposite. But I also, the reason I got into much more into characterization was because uh, with my husband dead and my kids were all scattered all over the place. I needed people, and that was the main reason I, I wrote those westerns for people alone, unlike my science fiction writing, and it was just to have people to live with. Ah, uh. and yeah, I, and and during during particularly with with my first western, um, I didn't go anywhere. I stayed in, just about the whole year, living. Those people were more alive to me than my friends. And I just, you know, I needed men, I needed children, I needed babies, I needed all these people. And um, I just lived with them um, huh. that whole year that I was writing it and paid no attention to my friends, didn't go anywhere. And then I got out of that a little bit <laughs> afterwards. Wow. And that was in New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was, what, 15, 20 years ago, right? Well, he's been dead for less than 20 years. He's been dead yeah. for 16 years or so. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Years. Yeah. Well, that's it. So you got tired of all those traditional American Western movies with yeah. all those naked women running around in yeah, them? Right. I don't remember those. So what, what about... Uh, well, I wanted to ask Carol, what? before we leave that, when in all that did you end up uh, starting to go to Bishop? Was that... Oh, After well, that, or before you? That was be that was. Um, when, uh, when Bishop I, Bishop no. is, uh, is uh, where where you went That's to where ride I went and to and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, before I wrote Ledoy and before I went home to sort of lie comatose in front of of Western. Oh, the reason I was I was watching the Western movies was I missed the mountains, mm -hmm. and I wanted to see the landscape. That was the reason that I started watching those. But my daughter um, told me told me that you you've got to do something you never, you, you know, something completely different you that you've never tried she before. She sent me. I was she couldn't come with me. She just sent me to this ranch all by myself. And I said I don't even like horses anymore. I liked horses when I was a 12 years old, but and then I was there for two 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 days, and I was absolutely hooked on that whole life. So it was like a dude ranch? 
Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, right. right. And was this before we wrote Lodoit or? This was, oh yeah, well before because, because then I came back, then I went back and had this year of doing nothing and then I started writing Lodoit and then I came back and started to spend a lot of time at the ranch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I knew the ranch was in there somewhere. Yeah, I was right. just trying it to figure good, out how yeah. it worked in the yeah. timeline. She was right, and that's a good thing to do, something that there's a big world out there. It's not just your husband, <laughs> right? What about kids' books? Is that, a um, different, is that a break, or is it just the same thing? Well, it's really it's, it's interesting because I, uh, at, at a couple of different points in the last, uh, I don't know, five years of writing, I became very conscious of wanting to write a book for someone I used to be. Um, uh, there and Back Again is a book that I wrote for me when I was probably in, you know, high school and I was reading tons of science fiction and I read uh, Keith Laumer and I read all the Paul Anderson and I read a lot of more science fiction-y science fiction than a lot of what I had written. Um, and I was very conscious of wanting to write a book for that version of me. I mean, all my characters are me. I'm ultimately writing for me. I just live in a me universe, you know, it's all me. Um, but uh, I think every writer, I mean, you're always, the only person you know really, really well is yourself. You know the other people and you interpret them through yourself. So it's, it's, all, it's all you, it's all, you know, it's all. So the, uh, the kid's book was one where I was very conscious of wanting to write something for myself when I was like 12 years old and trying to figure out how the world worked and trying to figure out how I fit in the world and trying to figure out how everything fit together. Um, so there's a, there's a, uh, for me, it's, it's uh, a very, a very consciousness of writing something for a different, um, different age than who I am now and a different person than who I am now. Um, I'm very aware of, of how I have changed as a person. I don't know how many people here keep journals. Um, one of the weirdest things to do for me is to go back and read a journal from a very different time period. Like I go back and read my college journals and it's so odd because I read them and I know this person, but I'm not this person. Um, and this person is going on and on about stuff that's totally stupid. <laughs> um, all these concerns about people that I vaguely remember um, and worrying and obsessing about stuff that I can understand where it's coming from, but it's not me now. So it's this weird consciousness of, uh, of writing for different, different characters who are also me, but not anymore. I don't know if that addressed your question at all. <laughs> no, just, um, I guess you were asking more about the genre, but I was, I, I tend to think I'm not very, I'm not very genre oriented, I guess. I, I tend to just write books and then figure out sort of where they fit. Well, maybe that's what, why um, certain kids writers are, are successful because mm -hmm. they do. I mean, I think uh, Kipling wrote for himself. At, yeah. You know, I, I think Stephen King does, you know. Yeah. I think, 
And you were talking a while ago about your your faulty career plan of always <laughs> writing a different thing. You know, it's like the two, you know, you got Woody Allen, you got John Sayles, you know. And, and uh, I think the Woody Allens uh, um, or the Stephen Kings are maybe somebody who writes for a part of them that is still very much in their life, you know. And so they end up uh, always working the same territory, you know, which can be uh, – uh, which is a sales advantage. It can also be a creative advantage. It's you know, it's just, but it's another way of doing it. I'm mm -hmm. like you. I always, you know, I'm all over the, all over the place. Yeah. And, uh, but that's an interesting way to do it. Think of it as writing a book for somebody that, you know, you once were. Yeah. Kind of interesting. To me, one of the interesting things tonight is like the two modes of. Fiction, not it, not of science fiction. I think we're we've jumped way out of genre tonight, uh, and you know it's like very realistic social comedy, uh, which which was your short story, which uh, which well yeah we all know what it is and we know how it how it works and I I don't, do you think of your a lot of your work to me is postmodern in the sense that it's um, it. It is never. It, it always skates along this this kind of narrow line between. Um, what am I trying to say? Where it it uh, it's it's a question of control. One of the things I like about it, it's like like walking a tightrope. You know, where you're. It's not quite this world, but you know, you're sort of walking a tightrope over it, and you have to be. I mean, one of the pleasures of me to me about reading about your story is. Uh, it is like a, you're waiting for you to fall. I'm waiting for you to screw up, you know, and you don't. You know? <laughs> and and I'm sure you do sometimes, but you don't yeah, very often, do. <laughs> you know. But it, you know what I'm saying? There's it, the, you have to make sure that it's it's just uh, you know it's close, but just a little off to the right or to the left. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I like what you're saying. That's yeah. what I'd like it to be. Yeah. yeah. And I but I think you work that territory quite a bit. You know yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, right. Yeah. And uh, the, and uh, I don't know, do, is that a person do you think of that as a per, is that a a personal territory or a literary territory I, in a sense? I don't know what you mean uh, by that. Well, personal. I guess uh, does it come out of um, is it is it is it a formal constraint or is it is it something you're trying to do formally in the story or I don't think I do much of anything consciously. <laughs> no, I know, but, but if you're looking back at yeah. it as as you know, I don't know how to answer that. Well, anyway. okay, <laughs> maybe somebody <laughs> else can. I, I have a serious question. Oh, all right. Yeah. Not about that. <laughs> um, both of narrators of the two stories tonight had very strong opinions about fantastical things. Uh, so Pat's narrator had strong opinions about fairies and what they were like, and Carol's uh, narrator had strong opinions about the future, or at least questions about the future, yeah. and a sense that, you know, you could time travel from the past to the future. And I was wondering if uh, y'all felt that that was a sort of a representation of, of normal modern people that they have strong opinions about the fantastic or that or that or that in some sense speculative fiction in a larger sense has influenced mainstream culture enough 
so that everyday people have kind of everyday opinions about completely fantastical things, and that, because it felt natural to me, but then I'm kind of steeped in science fiction, so it's hard for me to say. Does that make sense in the question? <laughs> I think that what I'm trying to do is, is I, I, don't, I don't know any normal people, but, you know. Um, <laughs> If if I did, I guess what I'm trying to do is be a role model for those normal people, or present a role model in in an openness to um, the peculiar world that surrounds us. Uh, because I don't, I I do know a few normal people, and they think I'm really strange, um, and I'd like to encourage them to be strange too. So I think it's it's it is trying to uh I don't think I'm I don't think I feel that the the world has been shifted by science fiction so by by science fiction infiltrating the mainstream so that most of the people in the world are going yeah this is really weird and it could be true so um so yeah I think I think I'm trying to um help people see larger pictures than they may see, uh, see, uh, see the world in a larger sense than they may ordinarily do. Hmm. I have a question. Uh, do, you, do you want to try to answer that one, or do oh. you want me to ans- ask you a different question? Oh, well, uh, go ahead. Ask, ask a different question. I want to know whether or not you write to figure things out, because I write to figure things out. A lot of things that I'm writing, I have to figure out how I think about it. And the story helps me figure out my own. It's, it's sort of like a way of externalizing my mental process so that by playing the story out, I figure out what I think. <laughs> it's like, do you know what you think? Well, I kind of know what I think, but I have to write the story to really know. Hmm. No, I think my figuring out is more a technical thing in the sense that I think I set up sort of a problem story, and then that's what I'm trying to figure out. But I also think uh, what we were, you were talking about just before, I'm one, I've often wondered this. My characters are usually st- frequently firm and strong and, and that way, but I think it's because I'm not. <laughs> and that I'm kind of, uh, basically I'm a shy person, and basically, I want walk around feeling kind of childish compared to everybody else, and um, and I think a lot of times my characters are that other part of me that I wish I was. So, neither feminism or no science fiction have particular reputations for being funny, mm-hmm. and most of the stories you read tonight um, were delightfully humorous. Well, one thing that this is this is it's it's interesting, you know, this story was influenced by the knowledge that I was writing it because I knew I had a reading coming up. That's not usually my mode of writing. When I do readings, I love having audience response. And so I when I started writing this story, um like the the interaction at the toy company where they were talking about fairies. That was just, I mean, it was just ripe for, for you know, uh, for humor. And so I, I kind of went, oh, 
yeah, that's here. And so I played with it perhaps a little more than I would have, knowing I was going to be doing a reading. So I don't know. I don't. I haven't written. I don't think I've written very many funny stories. Um, no, I, I don't think it's my usual mode. I mean, you've read some of my work. I don't think it's my usual mode at all. Uh, but when I've done readings and uh, realized that it's so much fun to read something aloud when you're, when you're getting that audience response, it's like, oh, this is kind of fun. I'll do some more of this. I think I write a lot of funny stories. I think you do, too. Yeah, maybe half and half. I don't know. For a while, I was doing all these anti-war things, and they weren't that funny. Um, yeah, I do. Well, see what I was, uh, that's maybe a more direct, yeah, bring it. Louder. Yeah. It's partly that I have all the time, yeah. I, I no longer teach. Uh, you know, in fact, it all start. I have all the time in the world, practically, that I want to take, yeah. Um, and I don't, I'm no longer, well, I am teaching a little private, teeny meeny little private class that doesn't take any time whatsoever. Uh, but I no longer teach um, the hard stuff, you know, the hard classes. So it is, it is a time thing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not sure it's such a big deal. I mean, 80 is the new 70, 79 is the new 80, or 80 is the new 79. <laughs> I mean, so, you know. And plus, it's Carol's own fault. She didn't smoke enough cigarettes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I don't, uh, um, you know. Plus, uh, you know, how, uh, anyway, uh, that, that's a good question, I guess, but it's like you say, you've got the time and you've got the yeah. chops and, and you send a story to FNSF and they publish it, so that's fun, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And, uh, but as long as people keep taking it. Yeah. But back to the, the humor thing sort of ties in with the thing that I was very confusedly trying to say about, uh, I guess sometimes to me a story comes out of the form, it's a... A story is a formal exercise, and talk about humor. It's like both these stories were very funny, and Carol's story was very funny. There's nothing funny in that story. There's nothing funny about wanting to play the piano. There's nothing funny about old clothes. There's nothing funny about, there's not a single funny thing in the story. The humor in the story is all in, in this tightrope walk of the character gradually coming, becoming convinced that she's from the future. <laughs> You know, you know what I'm saying? It's the story. Ha, there's a lot of humor in it, 
But the humor, uh, it's, there's no jokes. There's no situational humor. Oh, it's, oh you're right. I hadn't even thought of that. No, the, yeah. the humor is all in the voice yeah. uh, rather yeah. than in the yeah. story. And, and uh, yeah. you know, uh, so I think it's, you know, there's a lot of ways to go at humor. But uh, that's, a, that's what I meant by postmodern in a sense. It's like, um, it's kind of this tightrope walk. I, I'm... I'll quit. I'm trying to explain this. But, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's like, you know, if you look at postmodern, a lot of a lot of great poetry is about, what you know, look at a Dylan song. Uh, some of the great Dylan song from the, his symbolist poetry period is where he, it almost means something, but not quite. You know, it, oh, yeah. it's that yeah. that kind of balance where you can where it's never very direct. You know, and, uh, you know, so I think it's a different kind of humor. You know, there's also a great humor in, in social comedy about dealing with these, <laughs> with the fairies and, the, you know, the, the stuff we all recognize. The guy uh, who, who doesn't believe in fairies, but he plays computer games all night long and he, <laughs> you know, and all that stuff. But it, it, to me, it's, it's a humor that comes out of the, the voice, the, the I think it partly comes out of the intersect or the uh, the reaction of the reader to the story. I mean, uh, in Carol's work, it's you seeing uh, for me the humor comes out of me seeing the character and the character changing and making um, making efforts to do things. But it's it's like in ghost stories where you watch the character going down a path and it's you seeing things that the character can't see that makes you afraid. And it's me seeing things that the character doesn't see that makes me amused. Right. So it's, it's, an, it's a different interaction with the story. Exactly. It, the reader brings more to Carol's story. It requires more of the reader, I think, to find the humor. That's true, but maybe. Maybe it's just the cats telling the story. <laughs> yeah. Rita, yeah. Um, I just have a, a comment. I, um, friends of mine that I try and introduce to science fiction, I kind of switch it to them softly. <laughs> two instances I used her books. Um, I gave one friend a copy of The Secret City, and she's an anthropologist, so I thought that that storyline would really appeal to her, and I'm like, oh, it's this lost civilization, and, you know, you'll, you'll love it, and there's a twist at the end, but you'll be anthropologists, and you will really like it. And Pat, I gave a copy of Arts funding. Arts funding in the future. for those two people, and they were both like, you know, you're right. That's exactly what it was like. And then the one friend goes, well, I didn't expect the, the alien civilization in Carol's book. I said, but it fits so well. She's like, well, I can totally see that as an anthropologist. You know, it gives me pause when I'll go out on a dig now. But it was. I, I kind of thought about how malleable um, both of your styles are. That they could have just. Anthropologist would have picked up a science fiction book if it was bitter, and you know, and, no. and she loves the book, and she went on to read the mouse and hopefully some other uh, good science fiction as well. But I 
She's asking if you intended to be science fiction. Intended to be science fiction? Yeah. Isn't that what you asked? <laughs> Well, for me, science fiction is just such a uh, an open and welcoming category that when I started writing and that was where it fell, and I had read tons of science fiction growing up, um, that, great, that works really well. I mean, um, but I don't set out to say, okay, this is going to be science fiction or this is going to be fantasy. Um, when I've taught classes in science fiction, the first lecture is usually about what is science fiction. And one thing I'll do is I will read paragraphs from different novels and get the students to vote on whether it's science fiction. Raise your hand when you know whether this is science fiction or not. And, uh, you know, if it has a rocket ship and a ray gun and an <laughs> anti-gravity in the first paragraph, and I do read something from the 50s that does have all those things in the first paragraph, everyone knows it's science fiction. My favorite moment is when I read the first uh, paragraph of Metamorphosis by Kafka. <laughs> and they all know it. They, and they've been telling me why they feel it's science fiction. So they're saying, well, that couldn't possibly happen. So it must be fantasy or, you know, they're giving all these rationales. And when I read that one, they all just stare at me because they know it isn't shelved as science fiction. They know it's not considered science fiction, but it fits the tropes of science fiction, so they don't know what to do with their heads. And I really like that. The other one that I really love reading is there's a chunk out of Carmen Dog, Carol's novel that I love to read, which is a novel, and for those who haven't had the pleasure of reading it, um, the women in the world are turning into animals, and the animals are turning into women. And it's the story of Pooch, who was a, was it Labrador? Was, it, was, was a dog and has now, uh, she's, she has run away from home because her mistress is turning into a snapping turtle. And, and it seemed like a good time to leave because her master is, you know, it just seems like a good time to leave. And her goal in life is to sing Carmen. And it has a happy ending. Um, and uh, I write, read the paragraph out of Carmen Dog, and the students also just don't know what to make of it, but they all want to read it. Um, so I really like messing with that, you know, messing with people's heads about what is science fiction and what isn't. This, of course, does not serve me well in the marketing world, where, you know, they really want you to be like one thing or the other. They don't want you to be like, you know, so they, they will not, no matter how I have tried, um, shelve the work in both science fiction and wherever else you think it might belong. You know, you get into one place in the bookstore. And uh, so anyway, it's um, science fiction's a very malleable and, and uh, flexible category. So it's sort of like you can throw all kinds of things in that bucket. Um, the other thing that's kind of nice about having written a children's book, children's literature also, you can throw tons of stuff in that bucket, and it's all just children's literature. You know, they shelve uh, Edward Eager and Nesbitt right alongside Louisa May Alcott and, uh, you know, the, the story about a do boy and his dog. I mean, it's all, it's all just children's literature. So that way you are kind of all mixed together, and that's kind of fun. So... 
I don't remember what question I was answering. <laughs> well, I mean, I know Carol has said uh, the writer she feels closest to is Kafka, which, af you know, you've said that. Yeah. I don't act like you haven't said it. Cause <laughs> <laughs> no, I've said it. And, My and, favorite writer, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, all the, the, some of this is true, but, you know, you can go to the science fiction shelf at Barnes & Noble uh, looking for to buy several of Carol's books and you'll walk out without any books because they're not shelved. They're, they're not, in usually the, in not the, in science fiction. No, they're not going to be in science fiction. And they might do better if they were. I don't well, know. but, you know, and uh, I don't think it's that. And, and metamorphosis is not science fiction. It's not. No. But it's but it when when you've got oh, students who are saying no what what people categorize as science fiction often or what the way they figure out whether it fits in the science fiction bucket they start saying okay well it has something in it that wouldn't happen in the real world or they start trying mm -hmm. to analyze you know why it fits in this bucket and the things that they've used to analyze science fiction and say it fits in this bucket also apply to metamorphosis. See, I think there's a lot of things that fit in the sci that are shelved in the science fiction bucket that don't belong there, and a lot of things like that, what? like Carol Engschwiller, who is sometimes in the science fiction bucket, like some of my stuff, like uh, Sean Stewart's stuff often, right. um, you know, like some of your stuff, okay. uh, but it's. You see, I have, I have a problem with categories, which is, uh, you know, has, sometimes works to my advantage and sometimes works to my detriment. Um, I find it really fun to play on the borders of categories and make them uh, um, mess with the categories, go over the boundaries, um, make something that doesn't fit into any categories. And, uh, you know... I, I actually see Kafka as being something that messes with categories, too. Oh, um, yeah. And that's that's one of the reasons it appeals to me. But, uh, you know, it's sort of like a category of stuff that messes with categories would sort of be uh, tautological or, or you'd get into a uh, repetitive spiral that would make you insane. No, but it's, <laughs> a, it's a whole category of fiction. I mean, look at Virginia Woolf. Look at Orlando. Yeah. Look at yeah. Ulysses. Uh, you know. There's a, that's what modernism is in a way. It's, it's non-category fiction. So are and we all modernists then? No, we're not. That's why we're, we're, <laughs> we're we, some of us are, I think, Carol, uh, uh, I think uh, some of us are, but I think that's, uh, um, I think it's a, it's a problem because uh, it, that's what I was saying about, you know, Carol is not shelved with, uh, with, uh, Calvino and 100 Days of Solitude and stuff like that because there's no category for it. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's, uh, I don't know. I, I think science fiction has a, uh, it can have weird things happen, but there's always an, there's always a, 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 an answer to it. You know, there's always, um, but that's a whole other thing. Um, well, yeah, it, it's, when, when, I've, when I do the lecture on what is science fiction, I end up with like, you know, 12 characteristics of science fiction. And if something has all of them, nobody agree, nobody argues. It's science fiction. This is definitely science fiction. If something has three of them, you'll have arguments and some people will swear it's science fiction and some won't. And, you know, the business about whether or not there's really an answer and, you know, yeah. you have found it is one of those, one of those, uh, one of those tropes that, sort of is an identifier, but 
is not necessary nor sufficient identifier in 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 my view of it exactly (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's have a couple of questions and then we'll go home Um, come on Um, I just read the mount and the secret city Um, please I just read the mount and the secret city and and I love the city not long after Um, and one of the things that I was thinking about is that for both the mount and the city not long after the endings seemed uh, different than the rest of the story Um, and I was wondering how much when you're writing are you writing with the ending in mind and how much are you coming to it and then like how much is the ending part of your concept of what you're writing and obviously it would change probably with different books yeah those are issues I was thinking no I didn't have the ending in mind at, at all when I was writing and I never do um Well, I always think I know where the story is going to end. Um, in fact, I can only write a novel if I've outlined the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But then usually about halfway through the book, I realize that the outline is is wrong, and I have to write a new outline. But it's strange that I can't continue. Even huh. though I've gotten to that point huh. and realized the outline is wrong, I can't continue to write unless I write a new outline huh. that gives – it's sort of like I can only set on, out on the journey if I have a road map. And I have a road map that says we're going to L.A. And then I get halfway there and I go, I don't want to go to L.A. I want to go to Denver. <laughs> and then I have to get another road map. And then halfway to Denver, I go, no, no, I think I'm going to Vancouver. Um, so uh, it's I, – I think I know where I'm going. And um, so it's I'm, – I'm interested in why you think the – the ending to the city is different from the rest of the book because it doesn't feel that way to me. But I don't, I you know, I, I can't read my books like other people do because I've written them and I sometimes don't know remember which one I've written. There's all the other ones are there somewhere. Um, I don't know how I, I read it a long time. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, but that's I'm trying to answer your question. I don't mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> Well, that's a, that's another part of the, I mean, like a, like Carol's story, for example. There's no, is not a plot story. So there's, you know, uh, a story doesn't always have to have a plot. It can well, it it can close. Well, you think it has I a plot? I think it has a plot. What's the plot? I think, <laughs> I think all my stuff have plots. Oh, you mean this story? Yeah. Oh, this What's story. Hmm. You're right about more about that. <laughs> All right. I was thinking, thought you were talking about like the mount and stuff like that. No, no, no. I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm talking about a story like this is, to me, again, it's the tightrope. It, all it has to do is close with a click, the, the middle seat. You know, mm-hmm. that we don't know if she can play the piano or not. You know, <laughs> we kind of think maybe she's not in the future, but we don't, <laughs> we don't know that for sure. But the middle C, you know. That closes the story, and yeah. I doubt that you started reading writing the story and thinking I'm going to take her no, to the middle sea. Right. But you get to that point and you think I could end it there and go do something oh, you're else. Right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's just different. Yeah, ways fiction works. You know? Well, yeah. Thinking about that, you know, we were talking in one of the breaks or at at a, I think during break about how some stories, the story that I just read really works it's the the structure became clear and now the structure is carrying the story 
I mean, it's sort of sometimes it's not the the plot per se, but there's a structure that yeah. provides the illusion of a plot yeah. almost. Right. right. It provides yeah. the forward yeah. impetus yep. um, in the same way that a plot does. Right. So we can so we can pull all these people out, put them in yeah. this meeting, get the cats, and and do the whole thing. And, but it also <laughs> commits you. It also puts you in. You got to do something yeah. with, the, with the stuff. Yeah, you, know. you got it. And the, what you the, do with it, I don't. You could go a number of different ways, mm -hmm. but you you do have to do. You, you have to use gun, all you three. Yeah. You have to, I have yeah. to use the. I have to use the mirror, the cats, um, the uh, the colleagues at work, the, the father, the fairies. Yeah. And what was that? Station. Oh, the station. station the railroad course. station. Yeah, yeah. 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 You got to be the station. Yeah. And that little. Kind of thing. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You right. you've got yourself in a fix. Oh, I, I no, I think I I think I know I you're think I know where I'm work. going. I know what the story is about. Yeah, but you got eight I balls know. in the air. I know, I know, but I know what the story is about. That's the key. Nobody else knows what the story is about. I know what the story. What's about. the story about? The story is about um, fairies. No, it's about death. Oh shit. It's about death. All right. Well, maybe uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a couple of great stories. It's an stories. amusing story about death. Oh, the old man's going to die. Well, yeah. See, I missed that. Yeah. Right, yeah. See? Those, right. oh, they're my readers, those people back there. All right. Well, it's just sure that I'm, I'm, t I'm too busy looking for the postmodern twinkle. <laughs> For the for the wings on the fair the Kafka fair, you know. I don't want to yeah. Help. All right, listen. Thanks for coming, guys. You we, guys were this great. Is, you know, this is what we do. This is about as good as it gets. But that it's it's usually pretty good. But uh, this was exceptional tonight. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Clap, clap if you believe in fairies. <laughs> clap if you believe right. in fairies. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.